0: from eric public media and the alaska ice corporation this is the podcast Wikiredia, wherein we read from start to finish without comment or commentary the wikipedia entries that we find most interesting today's topic is radio free europe the original wikipedia page lives at www.wikipedia.org wiki slash radio underscore free underscore europe And we're tapping into this text under the Creative Commons license, which permits adaptation and retransmission of the original work provided attribution is made. Wikiredia is similarly distributed under the same Creative Commons license. One last thing before we start we want to know what your favorite Wikipedia pages are. Please send suggestions for future episodes to wikiredia at pm.me. This is Radio Free Europe. Wikiredia episode number 307, date of production February 26, 2023, and I'm your host, Eric Goris. Let's get started. Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, is a United States government-funded organization that broadcasts and reports news, information, and analysis to countries in Eastern Europe, Central Asia, and the Middle East, where it says that the free flow of information is either banned by government authorities or not fully developed. Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, is a private, nonprofit 501c3 corporation supervised by the U.S. Agency for Global Media, an independent government agency overseeing all U.S. federal government international broadcasting services. Jeremy Branstein is acting editor in chief of RFE. RFE-RL broadcasts in 27 languages to 23 countries. The organization has been headquartered in Prague, Czech Republic, since 1995, and has 21 local bureaus with over 500 core staff and 1,300 stringers and freelancers in countries throughout their broadcast region. In addition, it has 680 employees at its headquarters and corporate office in Washington, D.C. During the Cold War, RFE was broadcast to Soviet satellite states, including the Baltic States, and Radio Liberty targeted the Soviet Union. Radio Free Europe was founded as an anti-communist propaganda source in 1949 by the National Committee for Free Europe, while Radio Liberty was founded two years later. The two organizations merged in 1976. Communist governments frequently sent agents to infiltrate Radio Free Europe's headquarters, and the KGB regularly jammed its signals. Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty was headquartered at Englischer Garten in Munich, West Germany, from 1949 to 1995. Another broadcast site was operated at the village of Gloria de Ribaterjo, east of Lisbon, Portugal, from 1951 to 1996. European operations have been significantly reduced since the end of the Cold War. early history radio free europe radio free europe was created and grew in its early years through the efforts of the national committee for a free europe an anti-communist cia front organization that was formed by alan dulles in new york city in 1949 radio free europe and radio liberty received funds covertly from the cia until 1972 During Radio Free Europe's earliest years of existence, the CIA and U.S. Department of State issued broad policy directives and a system evolved where broadcast policy was determined through negotiation between them and Radio Free Europe staff. Radio Free Europe received widespread public support from Eisenhower's Crusade for Freedom campaign. In 1950, over 16 million Americans signed Eisenhower's Freedom Scrolls on a publicity trip to more than 20 U.S. cities and contributed 1317000 to the expansion of Radio Free Europe. Writer Sig Mickelson said that NCFE's mission was to support refugees and provide them with a useful outlet for their opinions and creativity while increasing exposure to the modern world. The NCFE divided its program into three parts, exile relations, radio, and American contacts. The United States funded a long list of projects to counter the communist appeal among intellectuals in Europe and the developing world. RFE was developed out of a belief that the Cold War would eventually be fought by political rather than military means. American policymakers such as George Kennan and John Foster Dulles acknowledged that the Cold War was essentially a war of ideas. The implementation of surrogate radio stations was a key part of the greater psychological war efforts. Radio Free Europe was modeled after Radio in the American Sector, RIAS, a United States government sponsored radio service initially intended for Germans living in the American sector of Berlin. According to writer Arch Puddington, it was also widely listened to by East Germans. Staffed almost entirely by Germans with a minimal U.S. supervision, the station provided free media to German listeners. In January 1950, the NCFE obtained a transmitter base at Lampsheim, West Germany, and on July 4th of the same year, RFE completed its first broadcast aimed at Czechoslovakia. In late 1950, RFE began to assemble a full-fledged foreign broadcast staff, becoming more than a mouthpiece for exiles. Teams of journalists were hired for each language service, and an elaborate system of intelligence gathering provided up-to-date broadcast material. Most of this material came from a network of well-connected émigrés and interviews with travelers and defectors. RFE did not use paid agents inside the Iron Curtain and based its bureaus in regions popular with exiles. RFE also extensively monitored communist bloc publications and radio services, creating an impressive body of information that would later serve as a resource for organizations across the world. In addition to its regular broadcasts, RFE spread broadcasts through a series of operations that distributed leaflets via meteorological balloons. One such operation, Prospero, sent messages to Czechoslovakia. From October 1951 to November 1956, the skies of Central Europe were filled with more than 350,000 balloons carrying over 300 million leaflets, posters, books, and other printed matter. The nature of the leaflets varied, and according to Arch Puddington, included messages of support and encouragement to citizens suffering under communist oppression, satirical criticisms of communist regimes and leaders, information about dissident movements and human rights campaigns, and messages expressing the solidarity of the American people with the residents of Eastern European nations. Puddington stated that the project served as a publicity tool to solidify radio-free Europe's reputation as As an unbiased broadcaster. Radio Liberty. Whereas Radio Free Europe broadcasts to Soviet satellite countries, Radio Liberty broadcasts to the Soviet Union. Radio Liberty was formed by the American Committee for the Liberation of the Peoples of Russia in 1951. Originally named Radio Liberation, the station was renamed in 1959 after a policy statement emphasizing liberalization rather than liberation. Radio Liberty began broadcasting on March 1, 1953, gaining a substantial audience when it covered the death of Joseph Stalin four days later. In order to better serve a greater geographic area, Radio Free Europe su- supplemented its shortwave transmissions with broadcasts from a transmitter in Gloria, Portugal, in 1951. It also had a base at Oberts Wensfield Airport on the outskirts of Munich, employing several former Nazi agents who had been involved during World War II. In 1955, Radio Liberty began broadcasting programs to Russia's eastern provinces from shortwave transmitters located on Taiwan. In 1959, Radio Liberty commenced broadcasts from a base in Spain. Radio Liberty expanded its audience by broadcasting programs in languages other than in Russian. By March 1954, Radio Liberty was broadcasting six to seven hours daily in 11 languages. By December 1954, Radio Liberty was broadcasting in 17 languages. Early History, Radio Free Europe. Radio Free Europe was created and grew in its early years through the efforts of the National Committee for a Free Europe, an anti-communist CIA front organization that was formed by Allen Dulles in New York City in 1949. Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty received funds covertly from the CIA until 1972. During Radio Free Europe's earliest years of existence, the CIA and U.S. Department of State issued broad policy directives and a system evolved where broadcast policy was determined through negotiation between them and Radio Free Europe staff. Radio Free Europe received widespread public support from Eisenhower's Crusade for Freedom campaign. In 1950, over 16 million Americans signed Eisenhower's Freedom Scrolls on a publicity trip to more than 20 U.S. cities and contributed 1317000 to the expansion of Radio Free Europe. Writer Sig Mickelson said that NCFE's mission was to support refugees and provide them with a useful outlet for their opinions and creativity, while increasing exposure to the modern world. The NCFE divided its program into three parts—exile relations, radio, and American contacts. The United States funded a long list of projects to counter the communist appeal among intellectuals in Europe and the developing world. RFE was developed out of a belief that the Cold War would eventually be fought by political rather than military means. American policymakers such as George Kennan and John Foster Dulles acknowledged that the Cold War was essentially a war of ideas. The implementation of surrogate radio stations was a key part of the greater psychological war efforts. Radio Free Europe was modeled after Radio in the American Sector, RIAS, a United States government sponsored radio service initially intended for Germans living in the American sector of Berlin. According to writer Arch Puddington, it was also widely listened to by East Germans. Staffed almost entirely by Germans with a minimal U.S. supervision, the station provided free media to German listeners. In January 1950, the NCFE obtained a transmitter base at Lampsheim, West Germany, and on July 4th of the same year, RFE completed its first broadcast aimed at Czechoslovakia. In late 1950, RFE began to assemble a full-fledged foreign broadcast staff, becoming more than a mouthpiece for exiles. Teams of journalists were hired for each language service, and an elaborate system of intelligence gathering provided up-to-date broadcast material. Most of this material came from a network of well-connected emigres and interviews with travelers and defectors. RFE did not use paid agents inside the Iron Curtain and based its bureaus in regions popular with exiles. RFE also extensively monitored communist bloc publications and radio services, creating an impressive body of information that would later serve as a resource for organizations across the world. In addition to its regular broadcasts, RFE spread broadcasts through a series of operations that distributed leaflets via meteorological balloons. One such operation, Prospero, sent messages to Czechoslovakia. From October 1951 to November 1956, the skies of Central Europe were filled with more than 350,000 balloons carrying over 300 million leaflets, posters, books, and other printed matter. The nature of the leaflets varied, and according to Arch Puddington, included messages of support and encouragement to citizens suffering under communist oppression, satirical criticisms of communist regimes and leaders, information about dissident movements and human rights campaigns, and messages expressing the solidarity of the American people with the residents of Eastern European nations. Puddington stated that the project served as a publicity tool to solidify radio-free Europe's reputation as as an unbiased broadcaster. Radio Liberty Whereas Radio Free Europe broadcasts to Soviet satellite countries, Radio Liberty broadcasts to the Soviet Union. Radio Liberty was formed by the American Committee for the Liberation of the Peoples of Russia in 1951. Originally named Radio Liberation, the station was renamed in 1959 after a policy statement emphasizing liberalization rather than liberation. Radio Liberty began broadcasting on March 1, 1953, gaining a substantial audience when it covered the death of Joseph Stalin four days later. In order to better serve a greater geographic area, Radio Free Europe su- supplemented its shortwave transmissions with broadcasts from a transmitter in Gloria, Portugal, in 1951. It also had a base at Oberzwensfeld Airport on the outskirts of Munich, employing several former Nazi agents who had been involved during World War II. In 1955, Radio Liberty began broadcasting programs to Russia's eastern provinces from shortwave transmitters located on Taiwan. In 1959, Radio Liberty commenced broadcasts from a base in Spain. Radio Liberty expanded its audience by broadcasting programs in languages other than Russian. By March 1954, Radio Liberty was broadcasting six to seven hours daily in 11 languages. By December 1954, Radio Liberty was broadcasting in 17 languages. 1980s, Glasnost and the Iron Curtains Fall. Funding for Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, increased during the Reagan administration. President Ronald Reagan, a fervent opponent of communism, urged the stations to be more critical of the communist regimes. This presented a challenge for Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's broadcast strategy, which had been very cautious since the controversy over its alleged role in the Hungarian Revolution. During the Mikhail Gorbachev era in the Soviet Union under Glasnost, RFERL benefited significantly from the Soviet Union's new openness. Gorbachev stopped the practice of jamming the broadcasts, and in addition, dissident politicians and officials could be freely interviewed by RFERL for the first time without fearing persecution or imprisonment. By 1990, Radio Liberty had become the most listened to Western radio station broadcasting to the Soviet Union. In coverage of the 1991 August coup enriched sparse domestic coverage of the event and drew in a wide audience. The broadcast allowed Gorbachev and Boris Yeltsin to stay in touch with the Russian people during this turbulent period. Boris Yeltsin later expressed his gratitude through a presidential decree allowing Radio Liberty to open a permanent bureau in Moscow. Czechoslovakia's Velvet Revolution Following the November 17 demonstrations of brutal crackdown by Czechoslovak riot police, uh, da Roma Daska, a porter at a dormitory in Prague, reported that a student, Martin Smead, had been killed during the clashes. The Charter 77 activist Peter Uhl believed this account and passed it along to major news organizations, which broadcast it. After Reuters and the Voice of America reported the story, R-F-E-R-L decided to run it too. However, the report later turned out to be false. The story is credited by many sources with inspiring Czechoslovak citizens to join the subsequent larger demonstrations, which eventually brought down the communist government. After 1991. In 1995, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, moved its headquarters from Munich to Prague to the building of the Czechoslovak Federal Assembly. It had been vacant since 1992, dissolu- a dissolution of Czechoslovakia. The Clinton administration reduced funding significantly and placed the service. Under the United States Information Agency's oversight, RFERL ended broadcasts to Hungary in 1993 and stopped broadcasts to Poland in 1997. On January 31, 1994, RFERL launched broadcasts to the former Yugoslavia in Bosnian, Croatian, and Serbian languages. In the late 1990s, RFERL launched broadcasts to Kosovo in Albanian and to North Macedonia in Macedonian. Broadcast to the Czech Republic proceeded for three more years under the agreement with Czech Radio. In 2004, RFERL stopped broadcasting to Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Slovakia, Croatia, Montenegro, Bulgaria, and Romania. RFERL chief. Jeffrey Gedman said in 2008 that the agency's mission is to serve as a surrogate-free press in countries where such press is banned by the government or not fully established. It maintains 20 local bureaus. Governments, which are subjected to critical reporting, often attempt to obstruct the station's activities through a range of tactics, including extensive jamming, shutting down local rebroadcasting affiliates, or finding legal excuses to close down offices. RFERL says that its journalists and freelancers often risk their lives to broadcast information and that their safety has always been a major issue. Reporters have frequently been threatened and persecuted. RFERL also faces a number of central security concerns, including cyber terrorist attacks and general terrorist threats. After the September 11 attacks, American and Czech authorities agreed to move RFERL's Prague headquarters away from the city center in order to make it less vulnerable to a terrorist attack. On February 19, 2009, RFERL began broadcasting from its new headquarters east of the city center. Beyond Europe RFE/RL says that it continues to struggle with authoritarian regimes for permission to broadcast freely within their countries. On January 1, 2009, Azerbaijan imposed a ban on all foreign media in the country, including RFERL. Kyrgyzstan suspended broadcasts of Radio Aztec, RFERL's Kazakh language service, because it had asked that the government be able to pre-approve its programming. Other states such as Belarus, Iran, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan prohibit rebroadcasting to local stations, making programming difficult for average listeners to access. In 1998, RFERL began broadcasting to Iraq. Iraq President Saddam Hussein ordered Iraqi intelligence service to violently disrupt the Iraqi broadcasting of Radio Free Europe. IIS planned to attack the headquarters with a RPG-7 from a window across the street. Czech Security Information Service foiled the plot. In 2008, Afghan President Hamid Karzai urged his government to provide assistance to a rape victim after listening to her story on Radio Azadi, RFERL's Afghan service. According to REFRL in 2009, Radio Azadi was the most popular radio station in Afghanistan, and Afghan listeners mailed hundreds of handwritten letters to the station each month. In September 2009, RFERL announced that it would begin new Pashto-language broadcasting to the Afghanistan-Pakistan border region. The following month, RFERL introduced a daily one-hour Russian-language broadcast, broadcasting to the breakaway regions of South Ossetia and Izabika. The program, called Echo Kavaka, Echo of the Caucasus), focused on the lo- local and in- international news and current affairs, organized in coordination with RFERL's Jigorian service georgian service on january 15 2010 rferl began broadcasting to the pashtun tribal areas of pakistan in pashto the service known as radio mashal torch was created in an attempt to counter the growing number of local islamic extremist radio stations broadcasting in the border region between pakistan and afghanistan radio mashal says that it broadcasts local and international news with in-depth reports on terrorism politics women's issues, and health care with an emphasis on preventative medicine. The station broadcasts roundtable discussions and interviews with tribal leaders and local policymakers in addition to regular call-in programs. The 2010s. On October 14, 2014, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, and The Voice of America launched a new Russian-language TV news program, Current Time, to provide audiences in countries bordering Russia with a balanced alternative to the disinformation produced by Russian media outlets that is driving instability in the region. Over the next two years, Current Time, led by RFERL in cooperation with The Voice of America, expanded to become a 24-7 digital and TV stream for Russian-speaking audiences worldwide. Around 2017, Voice of America and Radio Free Europe launched Polygraph.info and the Russian language Factograph.info as fact-checking sites. On July 19, 2018, RVRL announced that it will be returning its news services to Bulgaria and Romania by the end of 2018 amid growing concerns about a reversal in domestic gains and attacks on the rule of law and the judiciary in the two countries. The Romanian news service relaunched on January 14, 2019, and the Bulgarian service relaunched on January 21, 2019. On September 8, 2020, the Hungarian service was also relaunched. In response to the United States Department of Justice requesting RT to to register as a foreign agent under the Foreign Agents Registrations Act, Russians Justice Ministry also requested that Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty and Voice of America to register as foreign agents under the law 0N121.3 20.7.2012 in December 2017. 2020s. In the aftermath of Belarusian presidential elections of 2020, Radio Liberty and other independent media resources experienced significant pressure from the government and law enforcement. Journalists' accreditations were canceled by the authorities on October 2, 2020. On July 16, 2021, the office in Minsk and the homes of the journalists were raided by the police. In Russia, the government designated radio's website as a foreign agent on May 14, 2021. RL's bank accounts were frozen, and by that time, Roscoe Mazdor, the Russian mass media regulator, had initiated 520 cases against the broadcaster with total fines for Radio Liberty's refusal to mark its content with, with the foreign agent label, estimated at $2.4 million. On May 19, 2021, Radio Liberty filed a legal case at the European Court of Human Rights accusing the Russian government of violating freedom of expression and freedom of the media. That's it for today's episode of WikiReadia. Look, before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, follow us on Twitter at It's Wikiredia, and tell your friends. What do you want to listen to? Send topic ideas to our email, which is wikiredia at pm.me. Our producer and narrator, that's me, is Eric Goris. Our engineer is OJ Tingles, and our content editor is Johnny Rocketship. We ask you to support this show by following and sharing, but more importantly, just listening. We also ask that you do your part to support Wikipedia itself by considering a donation to the Wikipedia Foundation. That can be done at wikipedia.org. All, or at least the vast majority, of the words spoken on this show are from the text of Wikipedia entries, and we're using those words under the Creative Commons Attribution Alike 3.0 license, which grants us, and in fact anyone, the right to adapt the original work remix it, and then to distribute and transmit the work even for commercial purposes. This license requires that we name the author of the original work, which in this case is Wikipedia. Wikiredia itself is also distributed under the same Creative Commons attribution, share alike, 3.0 license. Wikiredia is a production of Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation.